Welcome to the Intention Training Podcast, where we talk about training, mindset, nutrition, wellness, and self-care. Welcome back to the Intention Training Podcast. Today marks the beginning of Season 3. We closed out Season 2 on the interview with Ellerson Smith, which we really enjoyed doing. We hoped you all enjoyed listening to it. Um, But we're back for Season 3. Today is Episode 1. We had planned on taking a break um, before everything went down in our city. Um, Most of you probably know, but for those of you who don't, we're here in South Minneapolis. Um... Where a lot of horrific tragedies have happened in the past, but what happened most recently was George Floyd was murdered. And a lot has happened since then. Um, And I think our break was timely because it allowed us to just shut up and listen to those people who really are most qualified to speak on this matter, which is those who are directly affected. Um, and those who experience oppression, violence, racism every day. Black and brown people, yeah. So we, I think it's good that we had the break when we did so that we could share resources. um, And show up physically as well as mentally. And give light to those people who need to be heard right now. with that said, we're back, um, and we are going to talk a little bit about kind of the state of our city, our nation, our world, um, and our current thoughts on it, how we've been approaching the situation. And then we'll get into um, some exciting stuff about intention training. Mm-hmm. So our country was definitely founded on racist ideology and values, Um in the scope of like how long the earth has been in existence our time here has been very short and we have a lot of time to change and we have to believe that we can change um and have hope but things are very bad right now um for black and brown people and i don't i don't I I would like to, um, I'm sure everybody has heard a million statistics, but these are some that stuck out to me. Um, and this, this all, these all, all these statistics stem from the pro- these problems that we've had in society um, for 400 plus years. And that comes from the fact that we, as white people, consciously created a color line with which we could use these differences in skin color to whatever advantage to oppress one another and create sort of a hierarchy. Um, This has led to black people having to fear for their lives every single day. Um, It's led to a world where things like institutionalized racism, environmental racism, white supremacy, um, all these things make it so that our society is not just. There are not equal opportunities. People do not feel safe. And this, re- and, and the systems only work for, for one person. Or 100%. one group of people. 100%. Everything in place is to keep white people in power. Um, and, and that's really what it comes down to. So I think we're at a unique point um, in history where 
the power is sort of in our hands. Um, I'm sure many of you saw the video of Jacob Fry um, being confronted outside of his apartment. When I saw that video, the the coolest part to me was um, the individual with the microphone. It's like you, you look at that. And you see the mayor and then you see this black organizer, black organizer who, you know, has been working their ass off for years for this moment. And you see all the people are behind the black organizer. I think that's so powerful and it needs to stay that way. We need to keep this momentum and now is not the time to compromise or to settle. We need Mm -hmm. to. We need to do it right this time. Now is the time to be questioning literally everything. Like every policy, every um, subconscious rule you follow. Why are you following that rule? And who is it benefiting? Um, It's a perfect time right now to think about how we can reconstruct community space and public space and how we can better fund um, kids, how we can better fund um, ground or like grassroots work and take funding away from systems that just existing oppress black and brown people. Yeah. I just realized that I said I was going to read some stats and I didn't. So here are a few stats or one of my favorite quotes from movies is coach Carter. Um, I forget the context. Okay. Let me not go there. Um, police killed 1100 people in 2019. 24% of these people were black, despite black people only making up 13% of the population. 99% of killings by police from 2013 to 2019 have not resulted in officers being charged with the crime. In several states, police disciplinary records are destroyed every five years. One in three black men will go to prison in their lifetime compared to one in 17 white men. Home ownership for white families in the first quarter of 2019 had a rate of 73.2% compared to 41.8% for black families. In Minneapolis, 50% of police officers who get fired end up being rehired. Those are just a few of the statistics that really stuck out to me. Go ahead. I, I think it's like important to say here that all the systems work together. Like we talk about the school to prison pipeline all the time where schools are underfunded they're not able to keep student engagement um the they're likely in poor neighborhoods where students aren't able to have access to resources etc um so one way or another they have to make money maybe they end up in prison because of this how are you going to make money in prison like when they're paying you cents an hour and sometimes you're being used for free labor So how are you supposed to save money to get a place to live after that? How are you supposed to get a job when you have to check a box that says that you were formerly incarcerated? How are you not supposed to end up back in prison? Like how, how are we giving anybody a fair start? And why are we sending people to prison that don't need to be punished, but need to be rehabilitated and need to be introduced to skills um that need to be helped why are why are we punishing people and where is justice how how can we get justice like it's so important for you to be questioning everything that you think is right right now why do you think it's right 
Like this is a very fundamental time for you to change your beliefs, for you to think about how you would want to be treated. Um, and for you to actually stop thinking about yourself so much and, and start thinking about others around you. I agree a hundred percent. And I think you mentioned that all the systems, um, kind of culminate into this grand product where, like we said earlier, black people literally fear for their lives every day. And obviously we're not going to take the time, nor do we have the knowledge to break down every individual system. But the bottom line is there are inner workings in the education system, um, the way loans are given out, the way the housing is managed, the way the prison industrial complex is managed. All these things, probably the simplest way to put it is we're, we're running a race and white people have been given a head start. A way head start. A head start and plus a million other things. Plus a million dollars. So, like, I, I feel like another important thing for us to say is that as long as capitalism exists in this way, um, we're always going to have a racial caste system because we're always going to need some type of free labor. Um, so think about the way you consume right now as well. And this is just our our approach to this and if you're taking a completely different approach to how you're contributing right now or how you are thinking about things right now like that's great I'm I really encourage you to just be doing whatever you feel is going to help the people around you and whatever the people around you are telling you to do um this is just one way that we're dealing with it yeah I think it's also important to mention that we can't rely on black folks to educate us or to tell us what we need to be doing all the time. We, we should follow their lead, obviously. Um, but it's not, you can go and, and pick up some books. You can listen to podcasts, you can have conversations, you can do your own research. Um, some things that we've been doing personally, and like Jen said, this is not to say that our approach is right and yours is wrong. Um, or that there's any one way to positively contribute, but doing simple things like sharing, um, sharing resources, donating, uh, volunteering, go a long way. And I would just try to make it a priority to do at least one thing every day to positively contribute. Um, and that's, that's how I've been looking at it personally. Yeah. Justice and activism need to be worked into your day. I really believe that. And like, it doesn't have to look the way that it does on Instagram. Um, another thing that I would say is I think it's really overwhelming for a lot of people, especially black people, but people who are just now learning how to be allies and whose eyes have somehow miraculously um, been open to racial injustice. I think people want to help the whole world. I think more importantly, you should be focusing on your very small community first. Like, start there. Um, emergent, strat blah, blah. emergent Strategy by Adrienne Marie Brown talks a lot about this. Like, if you can affect your very small community, that community is going to then affect their communities and on and on and on. So, you start there. And don't think that, like, you can save the world because you, you can't. <laughs> Yeah, I, I totally agree that we need to be investing in our own communities. 
especially um, we cannot. Okay, I really didn't want to go here, but we cannot trust police. We cannot rely on police. We need to rely on each other. Um, there needs to be more funding for the people community. in the community that are doing the real work to protect one another. Um, so I, I just encourage you to get involved any way you can and positively contribute to your community and to society at large. Um, one other thing that we wanted to discuss was kind of how, when thinking about how you can play a role in this, um, I, I believe that it's really important to know why you're doing what you're doing, why you're saying the, thing, the things you're saying. So when you're going to a protest, ask yourself, why are you going? Are you going because you want to snap a cool picture or are you going because you want to be there in solidarity um, and protect black people on the front lines? I think these are important questions to be asking. Are you buying a shirt because the proceeds are going towards a good cause or are you buying the shirt because... Because it makes you look like you are like you're, an activist. Like you're down with the movement yeah. or the shirt's just cool. You know, so these are all important questions to ask yourself and questions that, frankly, I've been asking myself a lot. And with that in mind, I thought it was important that we, Jen and I, look at how we can use our skills, um, our voices, our platform to make positive contributions to our world. Um, and the main way that we want to do that is through exercise through training um it's had a tremendous impact on our lives and we want to be able to help as many people as possible reap these benefits and particularly those who don't always have access to um knowledgeable trainers or reliable gyms um Go ahead. Like black and brown people who don't have the luxury of thinking about like, oh, when am I going to get my workout in and don't have the luxury of thinking as that of that as a necessity when it is a necessity for healthy people and healthy communities. What does your community really need right now? And I think like every community needs that, like they need access to people who care about their internal health and who care about teaching them how to feel good in their skin and how to use their bodies. And ultimately to me, it comes down to, it's so much more than just the physical. When, when you accomplish tasks, you didn't think you could accomplish. You just kind of instill a new belief in yourself. Um, and I just want to give that feeling to as many people as we can, in particular, those who don't get the same opportunities that, that I get. Um, just, completely based on an arbitrary line that has been drawn based on skin color, nothing else. Um, yeah, I think all these questions are important. These conversations are important. Um, hopefully you got some value out of our little dialogue here. There's a lot I'm sure we didn't say, um, but it's something that's definitely on our minds every single day. And as we continue to evolve as people, um, as partners and as a company, we plan to always keep um, the best interest of marginalized communities, marginalized communities, those who get overlooked um, at the front of our minds. So 
with that said, we're going to move it on. Um, All right, so now we want to talk to you guys about um, what we have coming up. So we're starting a series of classes for the summer. Roy, do you want to get into the specifics of that? Yes, I will. And we will be posting details shortly. Jen is working on some creating some graphics for Photoshop us. Photoshop is hard. Yeah. It's very hard. Yeah, but they're coming along. Um, but basically, we're going to be having three, three different classes um, the first is going to focus on speed, agility, and quickness training. Um, the second is going to be strength and power. So these two are more catered towards athletes um, that are currently in a competitive sport or people that want to train like athletes, um, which could be anyone. And then we have a boot camp, which is going to be more general fitness, focusing on uh, building functional strength, improving your conditioning, decreasing risk of injury, and just moving well overall. Um, each class is going to run two times a week and the cost is going to be $15 for a single session. You can sign up for all 18 sessions for 180. So you get a discount if you sign up for all the sessions up front. Classes are going to start the week of June, June, just a second. June 18th. A couple seconds. June 22nd, the week of June 22nd, and we have, um, we will have, we'll be hosting boot camp on Tuesdays and Thursdays, uh, tentatively at 4.30, 430 to 5.30 at Los Campiones on Franklin Avenue. Um, I say tentatively because we may be shifting that back to an earlier time. Um, we'll keep everybody posted on that, of course. Then we have speed, agility, and quickness, um, 7 p.m. Wednesday night and 10.30 a.m. Friday morning. So that is, we're working on a location for that. Um, ideally, we would we would do it over at the South, South High track um, just because we have more space than we do at the gym. But I really don't want to get us in trouble or get in trouble with the law or the school so i'm gonna keep working on that we may move it to los we may be at a local park um we'll just have to wait and see what happens with that one um but wednesdays and fridays for speed agility and quickness and then we also have the strength and power sessions which are going to be thursday at 3 p.m and Saturday at 1 p.m. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, um, please reach out to us if you have any questions. Otherwise, like I said, more information will be coming out soon uh, via Instagram. One more thing that I should mention is I really want to encourage people, um, even if you, you may not be able to afford the asking price, I would still highly encourage you to reach out to either me or Jen because we do operate on a sliding fee scale and it's our goal to get as many people enrolled as we can. Um, we don't want price to be the limiting factor to keep anyone from participating. So whatever you can pay, we will we'll work with you. Um, you might be able to hear Toby chewing on the cord right now. Yeah. That's what that sound is. The one bedroom apartment with two animals and, not, and not us together all the time is, is a lot. But we're still standing. We're still standing. All right. Um, so let's get into the meat of our podcast today. Today we're interviewing each other. So I feel like this has kind of kind of um, been a long time coming. We haven't really 
dived into this. We have talked about like our past and what fitness means to us, but um, obviously we're more than, oh my God. Okay, we're back. <laughs> Dog had to go in the kennel. Our cat was licking the microphone cord and now it's all slobbery. So hopefully this sounds okay. Okay. Um, but we're going to give it another go. This is about, what is this? Attempt number three. Yeah. Third time's a charm. Thanks for listening. If you're listening. <laughs> yeah. You guys, you guys give us a lot of leeway, leeway here. Um, and we so appreciate it. But like Jen said, we're going to be interviewing each other today, which should be a lot of fun. We did not write down questions. We have not rehearsed this. Right off so, the bat. um, we'll just have to see how it goes. And we will most likely not edit this because we don't really know how. So <laughs> um, it should be a lot of fun. Do you want to go first? Yeah, let me interview you okay. first. All right. Um, I'm nervous. Welcome, Roy Palmer, to the <laughs> Intention Training Podcast. If you had to give me like an introduction to people that didn't know me, what would you say? Roy has a really cool haircut and he's really passionate. <laughs> Guys, I finally got a haircut. Yeah. After like three months. I wore right. a hat but every single day. But you're my guest day. right now, so let me interview you, okay? All right. Hello, Roy Palmer. Hello. So how would you like to introduce yourself? Um, so I'm 20 years old. I was born and raised in South Minneapolis. I still live here. Um, I'm a senior at the University of St. Thomas studying exercise science and psychology. Um, an aspiring strength coach, sports enthusiast, um, and just, I would say a very passionate person in general. Whenever I find something that matters to me, I get really entrenched in it and I start reading and I start learning and I try and spread knowledge. Um, and the last thing I would say is that my family is super important to me and I always try to keep my priorities straight when it comes to that. So would you say that like growing up, this quest for knowledge was something that you always had or why do you think your behavior changed so that you spent, you wanted to spend more time learning and more time chasing what you're actually passionate about? Yeah. Um, really good question. I have to say, especially for not rehearsing, maybe you rehearsed and you just didn't tell me, but anyway, yep. Um, no, it definitely was not always this way. I, I would say I was always a very passionate person, but when I was younger, it always just revolved around. I mean, you have a lot less to worry about when you're a kid. So really, my sole focus was sports. Um, I spent a lot of time practicing by myself, hitting off a tee. I lived across the street from a park, so I was always playing baseball or basketball. Um, really, my life kind of just revolved around sports, family. I've always been a big music fan um, and friends. Friends were always a big part of my life growing up. Um, I would say when things kind of shifted and I started to spend a lot more time kind of doing my own research and studying and trying to learn about things that are important to me was kind of in high school, I sort of went through a shift where um, there was a time when I really, really struggled with my mental health. Um, and then I sort of had, I had a bit of, I don't know what you would call it, I guess like an awakening where I sort of realized that, yes, um, there are a lot of things like neurochemically and genetically that may predispose me to being an anxious person or having depression. Um, I was even diagnosed with OCD at one point. Um, but there are also a lot of things that I can do to manage that and to still have a happy and productive life. So I think I kind of took things into my own hands in that sense around 
the age of like 16 or 17, really just shortly before I met you. Um, and that's when I started really, really falling in love with, with lifting and the fitness culture, started watching YouTube, didn't know what I was doing. Um, weighed like 125 pounds back then. But, um, yeah, I think at that time I also kind of started spending a lot more time by myself because it turned out that my friend group and I just had different interests. Um, and I always found myself feeling like anxious or uncomfortable when I was in a big group setting, which was primarily how my friend group was hanging out. So I started just going to the gym instead or watching YouTube instead and doing my own thing. And, um, it's kind of just evolved from there. I think when we met too, I, I just found like a new, it it really feels like a whole new life since we met. Honestly, I feel like everything's changed and you've helped me see things in such a different way. Um, I really mean it. It, That's so nice. I, it feels like two different lifetimes before and after we met. And I've just been so much more happy since then. And you make me feel like it's just so great to have you always there supporting me. And I really appreciate that. Wow. As an interview, as an interviewer, I am so humbled. <laughs> We've never met before. Hopefully so that's that, really nice. Hopefully that makes sense. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's talk about now. What would you say that your interests in fitness are right now compared to where you started? Oh, man. It's such a, such a, a drastic change, I would say. At first... Um, I didn't really have any mentor per se or any traditional education when I first started lifting. So really, I just tried to figure stuff out as I go. One, the the biggest, like the most prime example I can give you of how stupid my training was back then is that I would go on like longer runs before my lifts, which we now, I now know is very contradictory. Yeah. Hey, it's not stupid. You just learned a lesson. Like, <laughs> yes. It wasn't a wasted time because now you know. That's so, not good. So back then, um, I mean, I was still squatting, benching, deadlifting, but I also, I, I really struggled with food because growing up, I was always overweight. And then um, at a young age, I sort of like, a pretty, I've never heard of many other people that did this, but I can distinctly remember being eight or nine years old and just like being tired of being bullied and being the slow kid on the sports field. So I, I pretty much like went cold Turkey on things like chips, like pretty much anything that people traditionally think of as unhealthy. Um, and I lost a lot of weight and that was kind of like, so that, that formed some unhealthy associations from an early age because I thought, okay, I can't eat these things if I want to be successful, if I want to look good, if I want to be confident. So I thought I could never eat those things, even if I'm, so I think I'm trying to gain weight, but really I'm still restricting foods, which Mm -hmm. makes it extremely difficult. So I was kind of stuck where my lifts weren't really progressing because I was at a very low body weight. So I was pretty lean um, and definitely like had built a little bit of muscle. You know, you get the newbie gains and Mm -hmm. stuff, but I really stalled out. Um, And with your help and with kind of taking a different approach towards food, I was able to put on a lot of weight and um, put on some strength. I still would like to be a lot stronger, but um, I'm sure we all would. So then I started really diving into um, kind of researching, reading ebooks, um, listening, and following different strength coaches. And now that's a, uh, takes up a big portion of my day is, is reading um, 
like training philosophies, reading current research, um, listening to podcasts, doing things like that. So when when it comes to now, um, I'm much more focused on sports performance right now because that's when I find that I'm most engaged and most happy is when sports are involved. Um, I really love lifting for the sake of lifting, but there's something about like having the the goal of such a, a like a, a I don't really know how to explain it, but I feel like there are certain people where sports just hold a special place in your life because they meant so much to you growing up. And I just find my, that's when I get the most fired up is when sports are involved. So I'm really now focusing on things like running mechanics. Um, also things that I didn't really get when I was younger because we're coming up through public schools. I'm playing park board. Um, never had a personal trainer, never had a strength and conditioning coach. So really I'm trying to gain all the knowledge that I wish had been given to me when I was younger to perform at my best. So that a lot of that is going to be running mechanics, um, getting faster, getting bigger, getting stronger, being able to jump higher. That's really what it comes down to. And I'm learning more every day. I am not so naive to think that I know everything. I know that I still have a ton to learn and I hope that I always do because that's part of what makes it fun is that there's always more to learn and there's always a way to progress. So right now I'm mostly focused on sports performance. Obviously I was prepping for a physique show, um, which was canceled. So in terms of my own training, um, I'm pretty much focused on trying to get stronger, trying to get my strength back up because I'm sure it took a dip when I dropped body weight. Um, and really just having fun with training. One thing that I've always wanted to improve was um, my sprinting ability and my vertical jump. So those are two things that I'm placing an emphasis on. So I'm doing um, a lot of plyometrics, um, a lot of sprints. So right now I'm doing plyometrics three times a week, sprinting three times a week, and that's interspersed with my lifting, which right now um, is kind of a mix of uh, a triphasic approach and a conjugate approach. Um, those who know, know. If you don't, don't worry about it. If you don't know, it's really complicated. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I'm having a lot of fun with it. I really enjoy experimenting with training. I, I like Olympic lifting. I like doing Metcons every once in a while. Like I just, I, I really like being good at a lot of things, but not necessarily great at one, because I find that when you choose one thing that you want to be really, really great at, it, it can be super rewarding. Um, it can also backfire. But a lot of things have to fall by the wayside. Mm -hmm. And right now, with all the commitments that I have in my life, I find that if I can be getting better at a lot of different things, then that is what makes me happy right now. Mm -hmm. So if you were a sim, you would be called a renaissance sim. If anybody I have plays zero idea what that means. sims and listens to what this. What does sim language sound like again? Susul. What does that mean? They get me tie. <laughs> I don't know. Um, that's really cool. So, like, do you see all of this building to your future career? Or it's, are you just taking some time to figure out, like, what you like and what you don't like right now, being that you're only 20 years old? Yeah, and it's easy to forget that. I find myself putting a lot of pressure on myself because I'm not where I want to be yet, but... But I if, forget that if you were where you wanted to be, that wouldn't be very climactic. Exactly. And it's, I think it's really important to enjoy the process of getting there because if you, you your whole life, it's a process. And if you can't enjoy that, then mm -hmm. I, there's no point. 
in you're just going to be going through the motions of life and that's not how I want to live I want to enjoy every everything and realize how lucky I am to have the opportunities that I have so like I said to you earlier today I was earlier today I was feeling extremely stressed out because I have a lot of things on my plate right now um this week was kind of the first week of what feels like real life for me I'm getting up at 4 30 to work out um running around all day doing different jobs internships um trying to make time as best I can for you and our pets and my family so it's really a lot but then like I said to you earlier I I realized that I'm literally stressing out because I have too many good things going on and that's mm-hmm. such like a privileged and lucky thing to be able to say so I think it's so important to keep sight of that and, um, and you were the one that put all of that on your plate so it's also an yep. accountability yep thing. and I have a very hard time with when I commit to something or even before I commit to something like passing up on opportunities or um, quitting things because they might not be feasible schedule wise or it would just be too much for me. But that's something that I'm really trying to work on because when you invest in too many things, it's sort of the polar opposite of what I was talking about earlier. When you invest in too many things, you can't give your attention to what's most important to you. Mm-hmm. And even though I don't have one thing that's necessarily most important to me right now, except for you, of course, yeah. um, I still feel that like if I'm too spread out, I'm going to burn out and I'm not going to be able to give good effort at any one thing mm-hmm. because... I've been in that situation before. Mm -hmm. So it is important to realize that these are all things that I'm taking on. Um, And a lot of times it does feel, I do catch myself feeling like I have to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you, when you can take a step back, I I don't, I have mixed feelings about the like switching your mindset from, I have to do this to, I get to do this Mm -hmm. because it just doesn't feel that way. Like you can Mm -hmm. say it, but it's, it, that doesn't change the way you feel about something, Mm -hmm. but I do appreciate the sentiment. And I think it rings, rings true to some degree that these are all things that I'm choosing to do and that I get to do and that are going to help me get to where I want to go. So, um, I don't, I I kind of, yeah, I kind of strayed from the question, but you had asked if where kind of, where do I see this all fitting into my career? Yeah. Um, It's an excellent question. It's one I ask myself every day. Um, The strength and conditioning field is extremely saturated. There are thousands and thousands of strength coaches out there, and each one has a different approach. They're all very smart. Um, Each one is good good at some things, not as good at other things. So it does make me very nervous to go into that this industry because like I said, it's very saturated. So jobs are hard to come by and they're very fleeting. If you're at a big university and a couple, you get unlucky and a couple athletes get injured, you might be gone after one year for all you know. Not to mention that the hours can be extremely long um, from what I've seen doing internships and stuff. But it's also what, at the end of the day, what I love to do. Um, so I feel like I I have to take a chance on it. And then if I have to pivot, then I will, but really ultimately I want to do it differently than what I feel like anyone's done it before. And what I mean by that is just take a more like human centric approach, um, not worry as much about sets and reps and really see my athletes as people and try and help develop them as overall people, not just as athletes, um, whether it be psychologically, or I just had my first session with, um, a young football player yesterday. And I was asking him like, do you read? 
And he said, no, I don't read. And I was like, all right, I'm going to bring you some books because I just think that's important. Mm -hmm. I really do. Um, so ultimately I, I want to have a, an, a, a, the greatest impact I can have on people. And I feel like the way that I can do that is through something that I'm extremely passionate about. And mm -hmm. I find that right now that is sports, that is training. That's what gets me the most excited. Um, so I, I do see myself, I would ideally like to open our own gym. Mm -hmm. um, we've talked about how cool it would be to have it like on our property. Mm -hmm. um, not necessarily a home gym, but like a facility so sort of thing, mm -hmm. um, which obviously is a very lofty goal, but... Um, but it's possible. It's possible and we have lots of time. And, and other people have done it before, so... Yeah. We're not trying to convince ourselves. No. We can totally do this. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's ultimately what it comes down to. And like I said, I one of the biggest things for me is trying to help younger athletes get access to resources that I wish I would have had. And it's crazy to think that that that's coming from I'm I'm a white person. Mm -hmm. Think about the fact that He's super white. I'm super white. Miracle whip. <laughs> Think about the fact, I just think about, I mean, I can't even really comprehend. Obviously, I can't comprehend because I'll never go through it. But like, I was actually just listening to a podcast where they're interviewing a black athlete who plays in the Major League Baseball League. And he was talking about when he was growing up, he's always the only black kid on his team. And mm -hmm. all his friends, it's not that they don't care about baseball. Mm -hmm. It's that they don't have... They're not able to relate to it. There aren't fields in their neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. They don't have a bunch of role models to look up to mm -hmm. people aren't actively trying to get them engaged like they are with with white children mm -hmm. and so it's when it comes down to it what i want to do is give people chances that wouldn't otherwise get them and help change the status quo so that as many people as can be given chances and can have access to resources do mm -hmm. that's that's what is most important to me because i think that'll live on past my time um that's that's the the best I can answer it right now. So we should probably close up pretty soon. Um, is there anything else that you want people to know about you or is there any advice that you would have for people, you know, in general coming to under, understand themselves and know themselves? Yeah. Um, I guess the biggest... So I'm going to go kind of off the last question first, the biggest advice I would have for people who are trying to kind of figure out who they are, um, because I do, I feel lucky that I, I feel like I have a pretty good sense of who I am at this point is you can't, you can't be afraid to cut people out of your life that, that don't live by the same values as you. Um, as scary as it might be to feel like to, to go it alone, um, that can be a really powerful thing. It's just spending time by yourself um, you can't be afraid to cut people out of your life that don't fit the lifestyle that you want to live. Um, and then I would encourage people to, I talked about kind of the mindset shift that I have, I had, and again, this is coming from an, a place of extreme privilege where I don't have to worry about a roof over my head. I don't have to worry about clothes on my back. So I understand this isn't realistic for everybody, but we're, <laughs> We have a limited amount of time on this earth and with everything going on, it just makes it that much more prudent that you have to try as best you can to enjoy every single day, mm -hmm. um, particularly the time you get to spend with others. Mm -hmm. So I, I've really found 
that things that I used to think I would never enjoy, the simple things make me really happy, like going on walks mm -hmm. and reading books. And so I, I think it's an ongoing process of, of self-discovery. But the first step is kind of learning how to spend time by yourself mm -hmm. and think about what do you find yourself like gravitating towards? Like, what do you want to do with your spare time? And if that's something that maybe is not ultimately good for you, then maybe you need to shift gears. Maybe you need to find a mentor or reach out and have a conversation with someone. Um, but that's the best advice I can give on that. And when it comes to you, if there's anything else I want people to know about me, um, I love sneakers. <laughs> I, I really like fashion, um, but both of those things have fallen off for me because it's just not a high priority and I, I don't have a lot of money, frankly. Tan so, France would take you to Old Navy and dress you up. I sure like, hope you not. You can do it. <laughs> I sure hope not. But yeah, that, yeah. So I really like sneakers. I really like clothes. I love music. Um, that's pretty much it. I, he always has, um, God, what are those called? AirPods? The AirPods. AirPods, yeah. AirPods in his I always ears. have my AirPods always. in. Even if something's not playing. Um, not literally all the time. Like, I don't sleep in them. I don't have them in right now. But because I, I always have something that I'm listening to. So I'll, like, tap them and pause them. And then I just, I'll get caught up doing something else. And then they'll just be in my ears for no reason. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm always, I always listen to podcasts. I just really like to learn and to hear different people's perspectives. So... I guess that's another thing to learn about me. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Mr. Palmer. You're welcome, ma'am. Drive safe. <laughs> My turn. Okay. Um, so I really li I liked the approach you took, kind of like going from younger to older and kind of the evolution as a person. So the first question I have for you is... Um, what were you like as a kid? What was important to you? Um, what are some of your most fond memories? What sticks out from your childhood? Well, <laughs> um, I grew up with five other siblings. So two foster siblings, which were my cousins, um, and then two half brothers and a half sister. So I was my parents' first kid together and I was the youngest. Um, we always were at sports games because like that was my parents approach to keeping my siblings busy and quote unquote out of trouble. Um, so I grew up going to a lot of sports games. I really don't understand sports. Like I just watch the game. I don't really know what's happening. So might I ask how, if you're always at sports games, were you just too young or... Yeah, I you just were, didn't really You were really one of those learn. kids who would, like, pick the dandelions and... <laughs> yeah, I just didn't really... Like, okay, when I'm playing a sport, I know how to play it. Like, if I'm going to commit my time to it. But if I'm going to a basketball game, I just know that you got to shoot the ball and you can't travel. May I psychoanalyze for a second? <laughs> okay, yeah, let's hear it. Um, I've just noticed that with things like TV shows or books, like, you're very hesitant to take a recommendation or jump into something that's unfamiliar. Yes. Um, so maybe that's why, like, you, maybe you would like some of the sports and be interested in them. It's just, like, kind of getting into it. Like, I find, I find that with, like, a lot of the shows we've watched, it's, like, 
I'll be begging you to watch this show and then we'll watch we'll watch it and you'll get hooked finally. But like if I just tell you to watch a show, it's not going to happen. I have to sit down with you and do it, you know? Yeah, it's, I very much know what I like mm-hmm. and what I don't like. And I'm trying to get better about about like opening like the gates. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I very much know that about myself. What were we talking about? Oh, just kind of your games. childhood yeah, too. Yeah, so so I grew up playing a lot of sports, um, and our household was pretty chaotic. So I be, I grew up being very like self disciplined, self motivated. I didn't really need much direction in terms of school. Like I was always the person. Um, asking my parents or the, always a kid asking my parents for help with homework. Um, I really cared about my grades and I really cared about the connections that I made in class. Like I going to school is genuinely fun for me. So I developed those habits early on. Um, always knew that I wanted to go to college, even though my, none of my siblings had really done that right out of high school. Um, so yeah, I grew up pretty, uh, busy kind of I I wasn't really an extrovert but I wasn't really an introvert either um, I think that growing up with a lot of siblings and seeing how my parents um, worked to keep food on the table and to make sure that we were all having fun and that um, our lives were good was is like still a very humbling thing for me to think about now, like how much they, how much they sacrificed for us. Um, so I, I grew up with really great role models. And I I think that because of that, um, my values were conducive to, um, being a a good person. (laughs) Um, one follow up there. Do you think you became so independent because you felt like you didn't want to bother your parents because they had so much other stuff on their plate with, you know, five other kids. And, um, I know some like remodeling the house and stuff like that. I would say like a little bit, but I know that whenever I went to my parents for anything, like they were at all of my sports games. Um, even when I asked them not to come, like they would, they wanted to come to everything and be a part of everything. And, if I ever thought like money was an issue, which I did a lot, they would, they would always tell me like, don't worry about the money because we'll make it work. So I think that my self-directed attitude just kind of came more from looking at my siblings. Um, and they're great people, but they got in a lot of trouble. So I was like, well, you know, just don't want to do that. Like, I don't think I was ever grounded because I was just like, let me just follow the rules. Um, which sounds harder than it is, but I get, I'm like still pretty much like that. Like I'm very schedule oriented and I'm very, um, internally driven. Like I'm going to go to bed so that I can get eight hours of sleep. I'm not going to go to bed. So, because I feel like, Oh, this is the bedtime, you know, that, yeah. So that's how I am. Um, one thing you've said that I can definitely relate to is, um, well, the money thing and just not really like, I think I might've been projecting a little bit when I asked that question <laughs> because <laughs> I definitely found myself, um, in situations where like I was hesitant to ask my mom 
for anything because I felt like as a single parent, she was just already doing so much mm-hmm. um, for me and my siblings. Um, and I mean, I'm sure you can relate to like being in the grocery line and you're like having a hard time watching your parents' reaction when they get the bill or whatever, yeah. stuff like that. So um, I, I really admire the way that you view your parents and even though like you guys may not see eye to eye on everything you are extremely loyal to them and that's something Mm -hmm. that I can really appreciate and you now I feel like you think it's your turn to take care of them which is so cool Mm -hmm. um with with just little things like I mean buying your dad that rack and Mm -hmm. um yeah anyway yeah I love my parents something to know about me (laughs) next question well, one more question on the parent side. What would you say are like some of the values that they instilled in you that are still really important to you this day? My dad is all about walking the walk. So he he's a very quiet guy. Um, a lot of people have told me that. And um, he, he enjoys like talking. And I definitely got like a lot of lectures from him. But the reason that um, those lectures never really made me mad was because he was true to them. So for my dad, it was like all about follow through. Um, that's what I learned from, from him and how to be compassionate in every situation. Um, our, our views, our political views do not align as much as like, of course I would like them to, but I'm glad that, um, you know, my dad is so compassionate and I think that I sometimes try to be, you know, more soft-spoken like my dad, like I'm, I'm listening and I'm not listening to talk back. My mom, um, (laughs) my mom, from my mom, I don't know. I learned how to put myself second. She's always putting herself second, sometimes to a fault. So I try to take, um, a little bit of that. Yeah. I don't know. No, that, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, Love you, mom. Sorry, <laughs> I didn't say more. <laughs> the um, next question I have for oh, you. One more thing about my mom. Go ahead. She always knows how to make a situation funny and like always knows how to laugh through grief and through tough situations. And I think that I learned how to do that from her too. Like I, it is so easy to make me laugh and I'm always trying to like, Roy will tell I make really bad jokes just so like I can see other people laugh, you know? Um, I think that I got that from my mom. Okay. What were you saying? Um, sort of to the same, on the same topic, we were talking about how independent you were from a young age. Were you always a very neat person? Um, because you're by far the neatest person I know. Yes, because I lived in a house with five other siblings who didn't really care for that. And obviously my parents don't have time. And so I was like, oh my, like, how can I survive here? Um, So, yeah, I think that I was like neat to a fault. How so? And still sometimes am because it would cause a lot of 
issues that like didn't need to be there. And I could have had a little bit more compassion for how busy my parents were. And sometimes when I ask you to do like really nitpicky things and (laughs) like the garbage can goes on like this, not like this. Um, I feel like it's, there's some things in life that you can let go of, but I do really enjoy things being clean because, um, I like to work in my home and I can't really work when it is cluttered. <laughs> I'm going to take that soundbite about letting the little things go and I'm going to play it back next time you get you on me for know how to do that. making the bet. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm going to learn. So you, you can't. We weren't joking when we said we didn't know how to we, edit this. <laughs> I know. I know enough, but, but I'm not showing you. So next question. Um, on on the neatness, you keep an extremely detailed planner. Um, yep. Why is that? What what? Why do you feel like that benefits you? Um, it, do you struggle when there's not that type of structure, um, or like if something doesn't go to plan? I think I do struggle with when there's not like a when there's not like a structure for me to follow because like you, I'm I want to be a busybody so. I've been trying since I um, graduated, I've been trying to kind of be a little bit more lax, like not fill in my schedule so much and just kind of, oh, I feel like laying in the sun or, oh, I feel like playing Sims, Um, trying to have more time for that. This is becoming a Sims podcast very fast. Um, (laughs) You should do one of those. Yeah. (laughs) I like don't know anything about it. I find that very hard to believe. I just know how to decorate houses. Isn't that the game? (laughs) No. He's never played Sims before. Um, But I think the most important thing in my planner is my to-do list because that makes, that keeps me accountable and keeps me moving forward toward my goals. So if I have it on my to-do list, like call X person for interview, I'm really going to want to cross that off. If I don't have it on my to-do list, I'm just going to like be afraid of it and not, and not do it. But like having that, oh, I get to check in the box. <laughs> that feels really good for me. So um, I like to have like three to five things that I have to do every day. And <laughs> we're going to take a brief break. <laughs> All right, back from his potty break. <laughs> One thing I didn't mention um, that you should all know about me. Well, I don't know if you should know, but now you do, is that I, I pee a lot. Like, very frequently. Always. So. Pressure him to go to the doctor, folks. There's that. No. Come on. Don't say that. I just drink a lot of stuff. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, I drink a lot of stuff, too. Okay. We're not. This is not your my interview. This okay. is your interview. So. What were we talking about? We were talking about your extremely detailed planner. Oh. Um, one one thing is I wanted to, to um, revisit was. You mentioned to me the other day that while you do keep an extremely detailed planner and you like to have your to-do list, sometimes you don't even look at your list. When do you think it's important to do that? I think it's, I think it can be, you can get really caught up in like, oh, I just have to cross these things off my list and this is just what I do every day and I live to cross these things off my list and sometimes I just want to like be and I just want to enjoy my day and the day is going to like the next day is going to come most likely if I don't get everything done on my to-do list. And it's not the most important 
thing, especially right now when I'm able to take some time for myself. It's not always the most important thing to make sure that I'm sticking to my schedule, but also to like allow myself to have like creative thoughts. Like, oh, I kind of want to play the drums right now, but it says on my planner that I was supposed to have free play. Um, well, I guess free play and the drums would be the same thing, but it'd be like, take a walk with Junebug. And if Junebug does not need a walk, she, and I can like play my drums. Yeah. Um, I hear that. So I think it's really important to find that balance. And I think it's really important to know how to tighten up when you need to stick to a schedule, which is what I'm going to find out pretty soon. All right. Um, so now I want to shift to more of the lifting side. Um, so you started powerlifting at a pretty young age. Um, tell us about kind of your earliest experiences in powerlifting, maybe some of the favorite memories you have from those first couple meets. Um, I remember my first meet. I don't really remember my second meet. My first meet was at Southside Gym. How old were you? I was 14 or 15. It was 2012. So it was like right as I was graduating um, from eighth grade and going into high school. But my dad has been powerlifting for as long as I can remember. So, um, yeah, he was, like, kind of coaching me through it. I remember I was wearing a wrestling singlet that he got the day before and wrestling shoes that were, like, a size too big. Um, That was a really great meet, especially because there there wasn't really many, many chicks at this meet. Um, But I remember this this one girl who was really strong and she deadlifted like 300 pounds and people were so impressed. And like, um, I was just in awe of her and I wanted to be like that person for somebody. Um, powerlifting has always been a really great community and I definitely feel at home when I'm at like a meet, even, even with the nerves and stuff like that. Um, But it was until, like, I got to college or um, sophomore year of college, it wasn't really my main focus. It was just kind of a fun thing to do. So with that said, what what changed? What made it kind of your main focus? Well, um, I really – I played volleyball for, like, seven years. I really enjoyed that. Obviously, being 5'4 and not being really, like, dedicated to having a good jump – I'm not going to go anywhere with that. So in high school, um, I played sports, but then, you know, wasn't really going to go on to do that in college, especially because I wanted to focus on, you know, gauging my course load and do doing, you know, college isn't cheap. Like I'm there to get shit done. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but that gave me like, I didn't want to stop being active in totality. So I just was like, well, let me just see if I can write a program with my dad and start restart that again. Cause it was always something that I wanted to do. I just, it's really hard to power lift when you are playing sports because it's not conducive really to performance. Performance. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, it helps that you're extremely good at it too. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I feel like for me, it's taken a lot longer to get stronger than most people. And that's not a bad thing because 
I have like a lot of experience under my belt and I know what works for me and what doesn't work for me. And I know how like focused I have to be to, um, to make gains as they say. (laughs) So, um, if it's taking you a little longer, that's okay. That's probably better. And you're probably less likely to get hurt. So I have a couple questions kind of on the transition from high school to college. So the first one being, um, you lived in Northfield mm-hmm. while I was here. Mm-hmm. What were some of the most challenging? I mean, we did that for what, two, two, two and a two half years, and, yeah. um, just seeing each other on the weekends. Mm-hmm. What was most challenging about that for you? I think that it wasn't even the most challenging thing wasn't even like not being able to see you because we we have like a really solid relationship and we're both getting really good at communicating but I think the most the hardest thing was that like I my home was very much in Minneapolis like my parents were in Minneapolis you were in Minneapolis I didn't have a home in Northfield and Mm -hmm. it would have made it like more manageable if I would have been able to identify better with Northfield, which I'm sure I could have given, given, had I been more brave. Um, And I think that, you know, it would have been more fulfilling, but the hardest part was like, my home was 45 minutes away and I had to live at Carleton and you were super busy too. Um, but ultimately I think that it was good, like for me to spend that time away from home. Um, I know that I kind of want to be close to my family now. And I know that we do, we do like well, better than we think when we have to spend time apart and with your super busy schedule and then my super busy schedule, even in the years we were living together, like this past year. And last year, not seeing each other, we, we didn't really get to see each other at all. Um, so I think that like kind of prepared us for that. Um, and it was nice to just be like, oh, we get to sleep in the same bed together, even if Mm -hmm. we haven't gotten to talk to each other all day. (laughs) So, yeah. (laughs) Um, awesome. So then you're at Carlton, um, what did you study and what was your experience like? You recently graduated. Um, so I studied um, math, calculus. Why are you lying? Specifically. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, I, I went to college and I was like, let's do something with biology and like maybe make a little fitness career out of this. But then I found out like biology was really hard <laughs> and you had to take health three in order to that was like one of the prereqs and i was like no i will do anything besides take so health three did you actually start on that path when you got to carlton or did you decide before you got there that that wasn't the way you wanted to go no i mean i accidentally got a lot of prereqs out of the way Mm -hmm. right away um and kind of in that like you you mean like just general credits yeah just generals for like graduating Um, but pretty, probably like the first trimester, I was like, no, not, this is not for me. Um, and I took a class called the global decline of democracy with a prof named Rich Kaiser, who's like been one of my favorite, favorite, favorite people to learn from like ever. 
I definitely cried in that class because he called, he cold called on me, but I think that you should always be thinking about an answer to the question. And that's what that taught me. Um, I took that class and I was like, wow, I knew things were messed up, but I did not know things were this messed up. And it was super eye-opening for me and very compelling and um, definitely felt some self-conviction from that class. So I majored in political science and um, I, I ended with my senior comps project being about um, tribal sovereignty and how the way that the United States uses tribal sovereignty is not cohesive with what it actually means to tribes. And often it's used as a tool to um, continue to systemically oppress us and to continue to push us out of the conversation. So I, I'm really like, I'm really invested in that idea and I'm really looking forward to seeing like how my um, master's degree in tribal administration and governance how that can help build on my interests awesome next question I have is um, where what do you want to do going forward both in um, in terms of powerlifting I know that um, we don't have any meets on the calendar coming up or anything, mm-hmm. but obviously you're still training really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and beyond just like your own, your own competitions and stuff, like what type of impact do you want to have on the powerlifting community at large? And then how do you want to use your degree in political science and the knowledge you've gained to um, make a career or make change? Well, ideally, I'd like to be able to powerlift for a long time. Like, I would like to be able to stay in the game for a long time. And if that means that I never reach, like, my full potential, I'm okay with that. Because I enjoy the training, and I enjoy competing, and I want to be able to do it healthily. So I'd like to powerlift for a long time. Um, I'm a personal trainer, but I don't really train any powerlifters right now. I'd like to do that. Um, and like you said, like when we have our own facility, I'd like to host indigenous centered boot camps. Um, so there's a triathlon called the Quay Strong Triathlon in Minneapolis, and it goes around Bidea Makaska. Um, and I, I mean, I think it would be really cool to be able to, um, even for free, like train indigenous women in the area and then, you know, send them off to the triathlon or something like that. Um, maybe even have um put on my own event of some sort um so I think yeah and I definitely want to work in the community um doing policy work not not on a legislative level or like not at the governor what is it the state capitol don't like it there (laughs) but I I really want community is very important to me and making connections are very important to me so Um, I just want to be able to serve my community in the ways that I can best. Yeah. And that's that's my answer. I think that's awesome. We should Um, wrap it up. Yeah. I have so many questions for you, but we should. um, Good thing you live with me. Yeah. I I really enjoy doing this though. Like we don't get to just talk and do nothing else a lot. Mm -hmm. So. um, I do, but. (laughs) I guess let's finish with. Um, what does strength mean to you? Um, strength means being willing to look past all of the things you 
conceive as as bad or scary or harmful being able to look past that and and put your faith in the future and the good things um you and know yourself, really. and yourself acknowledging that there there's always going to be something to cry about there's always going to be something standing in your way but that's a good thing because that pushes you to grow um so strength is like acknowledging that thing and accepting it taking it head on and coming out the other side (laughs) that's that's what it is (laughs) okay very last one what do you want to be remembered for when everything's said and done um my back muscles i knew you were gonna give a joking answer (laughs) now you can give us your serious answer hey this chick had cool shoes okay let's be done (laughs) okay wait let me give a serious answer um i think i want to be like remembered for not taking every like i'm i'm really good at not taking myself seriously and like you just witnessed um and i think that you know enjoy yourself that's what i want to be remembered for (laughs) that is wow okay (laughs) anyways we're gonna wrap it up we're gonna have to do questions on the next episode um so if you have additional questions make sure you send them to us via instagram or however you want to reach out um we're happy to be back first episode of season three really excited for um what's to come with our classes getting started and that's about it um we'll talk to you guys soon and we really appreciate everyone for listening yep thank you bye Bye bye-bye